Today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we are all unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminium, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com. That's T-H-E-G-A-L-R-Y dot com. So your wall will never be boring again. Right. Okay. Welcome back to another episode. And today I'm very privileged to be joined by my lovely husband, who is the first guest I've ever had on my podcast. Uh, So thank you very much for coming on, Louis. Hello, everyone. You're welcome. (laughs) <laughs> as you can tell he's uh very excited to be here so yeah i just thought it'd be great for you to come on and kind of share your side of the story and particularly obviously concerning myself and and the events that transpired nearly a year ago now as we are approaching the date of the actual breakdown um, so maybe you could start by just telling us a little bit about kind of your impression of, of the lead up to hospital yeah sure i mean the fact that you just said it, it's been almost a year is absolutely mad. Um, I actually didn't appreciate that. but um, So I guess the whole thing really was a bit of a shock. So the first, like the breakdown incident, I guess, it literally came up nowhere. Like it, I didn't have any sort of inkling that that was going to happen. But then once that had happened... Um, sorry, sorry if anyone heard that. That was our dog groaning in the background. He's, he's sick and tired of hearing this. <laughs> Yeah, so once the initial breakdown that that took me took me by surprise, and then I guess things sort of escalated very quickly, really, and and obviously it hugely impacted your everyday life very quickly. Um, and I I just I just remember I guess the thing that sticks out most was the last sort of week where things got really bad, and and, and it was just. I, it was difficult to recognise you as as who you used to be. You were very down all the time. Obviously, we just got Eric the puppy, uh, and you sort of became less interested in him, so to speak. And so in what ways was I different to how I used to be, in your perspective? I, I guess it's just you know you're constantly despairing, and you just got this sense that you're very anxious all the time, very restricted in terms of where we could go and what we could do, because obviously you didn't want to really associate with anybody or, or the place of your uh, old school um so it, it was just quite difficult really i uh, i guess and I, I had that sort of overwhelming sense of of having to supervise and protect you especially uh, as it got sort of closer to that day where you ended up in hospital so did you have any idea that i was going to actually attempt suicide was that something you were actively concerned about or was it a surprise as well um, I think to start with, I, I was less concerned about it, and, and I just thought, oh no, it's just some, it's not going to happen. Uh, but then, it's the thing that began to concern me with was the sort of indifference and rational approach that you took to discussing it with me, because because you were quite open and you talked to me about it. And then, as you you sort of came more convincing in your arguments that you'd put across, uh, at that point, I guess I sort of realised that you were, you were. It was something that you seriously were, were probably going to follow through with. I remember on the on the day that you were admitted, well, the day before we were admitted to hospital, I I, I rang the, the crisis service and said, I think this is uh, no longer a false alarm. Something's going to happen um, pretty soonish. Yeah. And so, 
when I first had the breakdown then, were you under the impression that, you know, I was just having a bit of a wobble and that I'd be back to normal within a week? I mean, what, were you, what did you have any idea about that sort of thing? Did you see it being a long-term thing or, or is that kind of an impossible thing to ask? I don't really know. I mean, obviously it wasn't great and, and, and it was obvious that you were really distressed, but and also I don't think it was a natural sort of turn of events that, that you'd associate the, the breakdown with, with what happened thereafter, I guess. Because, you know, you were, it was almost obsessive with just, just focusing on your, your school results. Uh, and so, I guess from my perspective, I just thought, oh, this is going to be like a professional issue. We might have, you might change job, you might, you know, change career, whatever. Because I usually would have conversations with you when I was having crisis of confidence, which happened quite a lot. And I would always talk through with you like, oh, what should I do about this? And what do you think this might mean? And you would always be quite rational and straight down the line. And I can remember you being quite rational with me and me just like not really getting that. Can you remember that? Not really, no. I mean, my memory of the time is quite quite tainted now I have to say it's quite emotionally stressful can about. you not remember me being like but I don't understand why I got these results and you being like oh yeah of course yeah <laughs> one of Ellie's skill sets is not necessarily data interpretation so she like would show me the, her results on, on her laptop and then I'd analyse them for her and I'd be like right well this is why they're not bad this is why they're not bad this is why they're not bad but um, I guess we're well I guess so I wasn't really going to get through was I did you have to did it did it click in was there a moment where you were like oh right this isn't just a normal crisis of confidence this is something more than that yeah when you were in hospital (laughs) (laughs) why it took you that long yeah (laughs) um so let's hear then about um kind of what your first impressions of the hospital were that I was at just the first hospital yeah, so obviously on uh, obviously it's been in detail about this already, but on the uh, morning that Ellie arrived at the at the unit, it was probably five a.m. I think, uh, and I can't remember for what reason, for, for, for practical reasons, I didn't go in the same vehicle. I I drove after, um, so I didn't actually really get chance to see Ellie. Um, in the unit on that day so I mean I guess the, the, the first real impression I got was so I went home had like maybe an hour's sleep and then I brought your stuff back up um, and at that point you know everyone was quite friendly you were restricted you could only really go on the entrance hall so you didn't get a very good view of what was there what facilities were there I couldn't see the rooms and I couldn't really see any of the uh, of the I was about to call them guests then, but any of the um, <laughs> any of the patients. Um, so, in terms of first impressions, there, there really weren't many. Just just by virtue of the fact that I guess first of all it was like just a very shock event. Didn't really have much time for reflection or thought, and secondly, I didn't see very much of it. So, so what were you what were you feeling then? Just describe the the way shock affected you at that time. I guess it's rather not not necessarily how I feel, but you just go sort of step by step, and you just in your brain you're like, right, what needs to happen now, and and you do that. You don't you don't really obviously it's very distressing, and but I guess the the evening obviously of the attempt was much more like immediately emotional and much more stressful. Um, 
whereas at that point it was just like right she's in hospital um what what needs doing i mean obviously the <laughs> the other part was uh, without trying to sound selfish this this might be selfish but honestly isn't meant like that obviously ellie was admitted to hospital on on the sunday morning at 5 a.m and then i was due to start a new job on the monday so at that point i obviously had to go into like survival mode and just do what needed to be done so i was like right ellie needs this stuff this place, I need to be at this place. We've got the puppy, obviously. Um, he needs to be looked after. So I got this puppy because we we talked loads about getting a dog, hadn't we? Um, I mean, <laughs> talked loads is, a, <laughs> no, is an exaggeration. I don't mean like in the lead up to this, but just generally we'd said like, oh, we'd love to have a dog one day, but not necessarily right now. We already have two cats. Um, which, again, Louis, Louis had less of a say over than I did um, the first one we got because <laughs> Louis went away for the weekend and when he came back, me and my mum had gone and got um, a kitten. So, um, But anyway, at the time, I was really just devoid of any feeling, but we used to go for loads of walks in the woods and sometimes we would see people walking their dogs and whenever I saw the dogs, they would make me feel something like a form of happiness because dogs are just so happy and enthusiastic about life and it's it's nice um and i think i don't know why did you why did you did you did you think it was a good idea do you want to talk about that a little bit the dog yeah um i mean to go back to what you said actually what happened was (laughs) ellie decided she was going to get this dog um i mean i guess i sort of okayed it in 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 not protesting Uh, but Ellie's mum came down to look after it whilst I was at work on one of these days. Um, and obviously I came home and there was a dog. So, yeah, that happened. Well, I don't... I, I remember it being that you did agree, but maybe maybe not. But, I mean, do you think that, looking back, it was the wrong decision to get a dog? Well, that's a very difficult question. I mean, I mean, without trying to get off track, at that point in time, was it the wrong decision to get a dog? I mean, I guess it was sort of a last-ditch attempt to sort of keep you from teetering off into this sort of very dark place, wasn't it? So, I guess, did it do what we wanted it to do? Not really, but, I mean, <laughs> do I like the dog a lot? And do I very much enjoy having a dog? Yes, I do. But that's a slightly different issue, I think, to... Well, I'm, I'm trying of looking now at kind of how it impacted you, me being in hospital, just on a day-to-day basis. You mentioned you just started a new job, and you briefly mentioned, obviously, we had a new puppy. So how would you... Or like Take us through maybe what a typical day would have looked like for you while I was in that first hospital. I mean, from a very cold and practical perspective, um, we live... Um, obviously, where we live is not where I work, so... I have a sort of like 45 minutes to an hour commute to my work. And then almost in like a triangle, the hospital was 45 to 50 minutes away from my house, but also 45 to 50 minutes away from work. I pretty much, I think I pretty much saw you every day, to be honest, didn't I? So I'd get to work early um, so that I could leave on time. I work in a city, so um, essentially the traffic leaving that city at at like, 20 past five is much worse than at five o'clock. So to try and get to the hospital in a reasonable time, I'd get to work early. What about the dog? Well, sometimes he stayed with other people, so he stayed with my parents, or Ellie's parents would come and stay to look after him. So in terms of the care that he received from me, bless him, um, obviously I fed him and stuff, but he was supervised by other people uh, almost all the time. 
So sometimes on a Monday, I'd, I might take them somewhere or to stay for a few days. Or obviously, if your parents were staying here, then that was easier. But I'd take them for a walk in the morning, I guess, and then I'd leave for work. So I was getting up really, you know, like half past five in these days. Taking the dog out, going to work, leaving work early, going to the hospital. And then I'd stay with you for a couple of hours, then I'd drive home. And so I'd probably get home at like nine, I guess. That was my choice, really. A lot of people said to me, like, oh, you don't need to see her every day. And I guess also, at points, you didn't really want to see me, did you? Or at least it came across that you didn't want to see me. So, From from my own perspective, I got to a stage where I didn't think, because I was so unwell, I didn't think anyone really wanted to help me because I, I had an expectation that help would come from other people rather than from starting with myself. And so I just felt that there was no point in seeing people. I didn't have anything new to add because I spent all of my time on the same ward where pretty much the same thing happens every day and every single hour of the day. Um, And so I distanced myself from pretty much everyone. And that was my lowest point in hospital. And part of that was stopping myself from having contact even with Louis and not allowing the medical staff to have contact with him regarding my care because I had this almost psychotic idea that they were conspiring against me I suppose yeah so I guess I guess one of the things was that was really hard for me whilst you were in that first hospital was we communicated via whatsapp quite a lot but I clocked on fairly quickly that if Ellie didn't message me on whatsapp for like two hours plus that meant that she'd basically um, attempted suicide again in the hospital so at what point the staff wouldn't divulge any information to me because I didn't requested that. So there'd be times where we'd be checking on WhatsApp, happy, and then she wouldn't respond for like three hours. I obviously would therefore put two and two together. So I'd try and ring to confirm and then they'd be like, yeah, she's fine. So that was not great. I guess the worry was, to start with, was not there because I thought as soon as she was in hospital, oh, she's safe now. Then I guess as, as time goes on and then she was making these attempts, and some of them got quite close and you're like oh right maybe she's actually not safe now and uh, that was quite hard but so in terms of your mental health then your own mental health um how do you feel that that was impacted by having to look after someone in hospital or having a loved one in hospital um i guess the way i got through it was to just do stuff so i just started a new job well it was a new career technically but I just started a new career, so I had training and I had exams and I had a lot of work to do. So when I was at work, I was just like, right, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just obviously that wasn't possible all the time, um, but I tried as best as I could to just not think about it because I just wanted to get through the days. Uh, the days went very quickly, actually. Not for me, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. But for me, I guess it was a sheer volume of stuff. So it was like a routine where I'd be like, right, get up early. And I'd just get out of the house, to go to work, get in there, just try and get engrossed in my work as much as possible. And I don't necessarily do the most exhilarating stuff. So it's not so, it's, it's not like, oh, I really love my work. And it's, it's, it's just that I just wanted to get completely engrossed in it. And then I'd just drive to the hospital. That was, you know, the highlight of my day most of the time. But I guess the other downside of that was... Because Ellie could come out with me, I could take her places. We ended up spending like an, a lot of money. We'd go to, we'd just go to restaurants, we'd go to fast food restaurants, we'd go to like quite high power restaurants. 
So we were spending like a substantial quantity of money just on food, um, purely just because I guess I had that inkling in my brain that that might be like the last evening, I guess, that we spent together. So it should be a nice one. So that happened. But yeah. So I think as well, that when you take someone off a, out of a hospital, there are limited places that you could go, especially when it's the evening. So often we would end up going to, there was a McDonald's nearby, so we, we went there quite a lot. Uh, when, <laughs> oh, we went all over, didn't we? Probably, we, there'd be certain weeks where we, when Ellie was allowed to leave. Obviously that wasn't always, but we'd probably eat out five nights a week or something like that. And I know that sounds great. We didn't eat out five nights oh, a week. Oh, there were weeks. What a load of tosh. There Jesus, were weeks. by the sound of it, I was having the time of my life, wasn't I? No. I was getting catered to an hospital, living the life of luxury, and then I was shipped out for a five-course meal. No, I mean, yeah, you can make it sound like that, but we... we <laughs> there were not eat out five times a week. Okay, right, that's fine. If you think that, that's fine. <laughs> anyway, moving on. But we did. <laughs> yes, here's a little insight into our marriage, by the way. Yeah, so in terms of your impressions of the care that I received and what it was like as being someone who's, I suppose, a carer of someone who is suffering with a mental health condition, what was your role in terms of, I mean, how much did doctors heed your input and your perspective? Because obviously you were present on the ward round in which they discharged me for, for well, they didn't discharge me, but they gave me leave to come home for two days. Um, so maybe you could talk about that a bit. I think what, one of the things that you need to understand is like you were a very, very willful patient. So your perspective on what should happen, you communicated to me very clearly and very willfully. Yeah. So when Ellie says I was present on the ward rounds, I probably attended maybe two in the hospital. But you were present on the one when I was discharged yeah, for but two days. Yeah, I mean, on the one where you were discharged for two days, you basically said, I'm getting out. So you need to say that I'm all right to come out. How did you feel when I was... Did you did you think they would let me out then? I mean, obviously not. That's why I sort of why I was like, yeah, fine, or whatever. I thought, you know, it was just... I mean, yeah. That was ridiculous, I have to say. But Were, were you really concerned during those... those I, mean, those? I mean, it's difficult because... I mean, to be frank, you were being very manipulative at a point. Oh, so. here we go. Here's the juicy detail. So you actually... <laughs> at that point were I guess putting on a front with me as well as to how well or how not well you were so you were actually like yeah no I'm fine now I, I really want to get out and I want to have a fresh start blah 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 blah. and you were like yeah no I don't have any more feelings of suicide uh, you know I don't have any urges what have you um, and then you got out and then obviously all this the truth came out and you were like oh no I don't feel great oh no this isn't good so in terms of the involvement that I directly had with the doctors that was minimal it really was minimal, I guess. I mean, you didn't help that by, by the fact that you didn't let them talk to me very often. Do you, so do you wish that um, there was more kind of co- contact between the the kind of patients, nearest of kin and um, like medical staff? Did you feel that that would have been beneficial? or? I mean, that's a very difficult question because obviously on the one hand, you, I wasn't there all the time and I practically couldn't be there all the time. You didn't want me necessarily in the ward rounds all the time, and obviously I have to respect your wishes. And the medical staff, so the healthcare assistants and the nurses and what have you, obviously they they identify that I'm in a very precarious and vulnerable position as well, and they don't want to they want to protect 
me to some degree, don't they? Because they don't want to unload all of their concerns onto me because that's that's just not helpful, is it, I guess? Because I can't do anything about that. They're, they're the ones who are supervising you in the hospital. Um, so it's not necessarily that I wish there were more lines of communication. It's just a very awkward and difficult situation in terms of what I could actually do or what I couldn't do. In terms of, um, obviously, as, as things progressed and I became worse, because I did definitely, I think we both agree, don't we, that I was worse when I was on that ward. Uh, the longer I was on the ward for, the worse I became, I would say, on that ward. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I think that you... I don't know, part of me feels, and you probably won't like me saying this, but part of me feels that you almost one point decided that you just weren't going to get better. I don't know how much of it, like obviously it wasn't a very, it wasn't a helpful environment. It wasn't a pleasant place to be. I can understand why you didn't want to be in there any longer. But then also on the other hand, I think, I don't know, I don't know how much impact this actually had, but I think you did almost decide that you just weren't going to get better whilst you are in that place. I, don't, oh, I think you're right. And I think that had a, a massive impact, but... I think if anyone has had uh, a depression or any sort of mental illness, often one of the main symptoms of that is that you have very polarised thinking. Things are black or they're white. They are or they aren't. And for me, I, I suppose made a conclusion that this place wasn't going to help me and therefore I, I was just going to kill myself, which probably wasn't great uh, for you. And the other thing was, I guess, which is worth mentioning, because I find this very difficult, was that because I actively wasn't seeking to get any moved, like, well, I, I, I was as far as I could, but obviously I can't, you know, I, I can't throw my weight around, that's not going to achieve anything at all. Because I hadn't got any moved then and there on that day, quite often she would, like, say that I didn't care about it, that, you know, if I if I did care, then I she wouldn't be in that place anymore. So I guess she lashed out at me a bit as well, well in response to that, but... Yeah, I, I probably did. I, I had obviously a lot of anger and a lot of negative emotion. I'm sure that you got some of that your way. <laughs> obviously, I'm not trying to come across as a victim here because I, I, I appreciate that you were, in, you, you know, I obviously wanted you to get well, and I appreciate that you were in a really, really bad place. And obviously, I just wanted you to get better. But so, so I don't think that I'm complaining about things that happened. No, I don't. I don't think that. But I think it's it's a good point that you know. Just because you're in the person in hospital, that doesn't mean that nobody else in your family or your immediate circumstances isn't suffering as well. I think in some cases they might even be suffering more acutely at, at times. Um, and I think it's okay to be angry or frustrated with with patients, even if that isn't a useful thing to to feel at the time or constructive in terms of being productive and, and resolving anything you know it's it's understandable that you might feel like that i'm gonna jump again a bit here and i'm just gonna say this i know this the what did i learn feature but i'm just gonna say one thing that i did learn oh here we go um, he's already changing it around he's been on one episode one of the things that i had to learn for like my own sort of emotional well-being was that there were times where you would do and say things which were just like really not very pleasant, but I had to appreciate that they were not, they weren't like rational decisions that you had made. They were just a consequence of your position, your illness. And so being able to like, in my own head, say like, no, that's not actually means, that's not actually what she wants. So that's, she's just, she's, you know, that's just what, how her illness is manifesting at this point. Um, so like times when you said you just never want to see me again like you never wanted me to visit again I'd still have I'd still go the next day and I'd still go the next day and there were sometimes we're like two or three days in a row but no I don't want to see you uh, and then on the fourth day you'd be like no I, I'm really glad that you've come so just things you just you just have to if anyone 
if anyone out there you know has got a close relative or or loved one who is in this position now i think it the one thing that i'd say to myself looking back was take what is said sometimes with a pinch of salt because it's not their true intention or meaning it's just how that illness is manifesting in that situation i think you're right i do so let's move on then seeing as you've already jumped the gun we might as well just continue <laughs> um so what would you say were the were the main things that you learned from me being on that particular ward and it can be related to mental health life philosophy whatever you like what did you learn um i guess i learned that <laughs> i had a lot more gas in the tank than i thought i did i just kept on going but like, I think the imp- an important one is what I just said that you have to be prepared to take a bit of um, take a bit of poo, I guess. Um, <laughs> you can swear it's okay. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I guess thirdly, what did I learn? Um, I learned to, to make the most out of the small bits and pieces because obviously, when you've had such a bleak outlook for such a long time. Like some of the, the the small bits and pieces are quite rewarding. Like if you're like, oh yeah, I enjoyed that McDonald's burger today, <laughs> um, and I guess I just had to latch onto those bits and pieces for a while. Um, but also, I think it's it's important not to just just not to dwell because you could it would literally if I had just sat there thinking about what could be happening, what might happen, uh, it would have just destroyed me. And I know that's I am naturally a very anxious worrisome person so for me to say that is a bit of a surprise I guess yeah and so I suppose that's probably from what you said to me (laughs) when I was out of hospital you you told me that obviously the dog and the cats because we as I say have two cats and a dog they were really helpful to you um would you say that would you like to speak a bit about that I guess one of the other things um is obviously Ellie's parents were here now now and again but when you're used to living with somebody all day every day and you're used to them being a part of your everyday routine. It's quite a big shock when all of a sudden you're just on your own. And I guess that extends both ways, because obviously in hospital you're on your own a lot of the time. Uh, but then also... Uh, no, when you're in hospital you're never really ever <laughs> on your own. It's Even when you're in the bath, people come in and just check on you, have a little look at your bits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, but um, I had a lot of time. Generally, the only time where I would really feel alone was at night uh, when I just got back from hospital when I was going to bed so it was really helpful actually the cats normally we don't let them in the room at night so they they sort of set up their little camp both of them slept on Ellie's side of the bed whilst I whilst I um, while she was in hospital which was really actually quite helpful really nice so yeah it's just just little bits and pieces taking making the most of uh, little things I guess Okay, and what would you like other people to learn? So if, if someone out there is experiencing maybe the same, obviously no situation is the same, but let's say someone out there uh, is caring for someone who is currently a patient on a, an acute psychiatric ward, what would your kind of advice or kind of words of wisdom be for, for those particular people? I'm going to be careful here because I don't want to be really patronising and, and say something like, oh, it, it will get better. Because it might not. Because it might not, yeah, and I think you have to be realistic about that sometimes, but... I have seen firsthand a situation where things have been really bad and they did get better. So I guess my, I guess the thing I'd like to say is that no matter how dark or bad something seems, it can get better and there will probably have been somebody in a similar situation who has got better. 
Um, so I, I think being positive and optimistic as far as you can be is, is quite important. Thank you. And thank you so much for coming on. So <laughs> we've had a few takes of this. <laughs> let's, let's have no illusions about that. Our marriage managed to survive to the end of this podcast episode. <laughs> so I think it has, has it? To be confirmed. <laughs> okay. Anyway, thank you, Louis. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Bye then. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's episode. And special thanks to my darling husband, Louis. I'm sure you can all agree that he was an absolute champion. I'm really sorry if the audio was a bit patchy at times. I'm still getting my head around having two people on on one microphone. So hopefully that will be the, the, the worst it will ever be when I have a guest on the podcast. Next week is the last episode of the series. So it's going to be a big one. And it's all of your questions that you are hopefully sending in. I have received some, but I would really, really, really love some more. So if you wouldn't mind, if you have a burning question, it can be anything. It can be about someone that I've talked about this series. It can be about my personal journey. It can be general mental health questions. Obviously, (laughs) if it's really inappropriate, (laughs) I might have to think twice before answering it but generally I'm a very open honest person so please 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 I urge you send me your questions via any of the social media channels you can also review and rate this podcast my dog is whining at me he wants to go out so I'm going to love you and leave you and I will see you next week